When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. My guest today represents the kind of person who exemplifies the phrases I quote so often, do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. Kathy Dolan Schweitzer is the president of Health Well Done based in New York City. Her professional journey spans over 25 years. Kathy's focus is on building effective people-centered teams, workplaces, and projects, as well as developing leaders who care about the well-being of people. She's the author of the book, Health Well Done, in which her Health Well Done methodology, which includes the healthy patient, healthy team, healthy approach, as the way to put the patient first, is explored. She has served as a senior project manager on numerous healthcare industry programs, most recently at Columbia University's Irving Medical Center. She's an experienced trainer and performance development coach working in the AEC industry to adopt a people-centered leadership strategy to thrive in today's people-centered economy. In her own words, my mission is to develop leaders in the AEC industry who care about both people and planet and who exemplify this in everything they build. Kathy, welcome to the Soft to Steel podcast. Thank you so much, Dennis. That was that was very nicely put. Well, and thanks. um I just want to let you know that I have been very excited to be on this podcast as well as honored that you reached out to me. So, well, thank you. It's it's I, I, I'm pleased to have you uh, and and I'm honored as well. So, uh, so I guess we're just being nice to each other for the part the beginning part of this. You know, it, it could go it, it could go sharply downhill as soon as I open my mouth and ask the first question, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. No, but on a serious note, thank I, you. I have every confidence that yeah. you will, you will um, do a great job here, Dennis. Well, and, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give. If I don't, then they'll they'll edit all of my stuff out, and so it just works out very well. They become very short interviews, and it's like you you talking to yourself, but uh, uh, but hopefully in a really good way. Um, you know, I was very deliberate in one and uh, and thoughtful in, in one regard, and uh, there was a reason why I opened the the uh, my introduction of you in the way I did. I believe based on what I've learned about you, what I've read, the things I've seen you that you've done that have been visible through LinkedIn and other sources, that, that the phrasing about doing what you love uh, makes sense to you, that you operationalize that and how you've approached all of your work in, in, the, in the various roles that you've played. Is that, is that, uh, is that a fair way to start uh, about who you are? I would say that's a very fair way. I think, um, you know, I spend a lot of time... Um, on my material and my content. And it's just because I love being a project manager and I love um, facilitating teams to get something accomplished. Um, And I have seen over the years what goes right with teams and what goes wrong with teams. So I think um, I would say that the, the love of people, caring for people and taking care of your teams and the actual, you know, 
uh, result of all of that. You know, we see that because I'm in the uh, construction industry, we see that in the built environment. And I don't know if people really understand, um, you know, the, the, the job that we all serve in the construction industry and how important it really is and how it, it impacts, you know, everyone's health, um, as well as, you know, it sets up success for so many people. And at the same point too, it, it can, you know, go the other way too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you first, uh, first came into the construction industry as in a role as a project manager, um, you came in with uh, virtually no direct hands-on experience in the building process in construction itself. Uh, what you understood well was people. Yes. Um, talk about that, uh, your arrival in the industry, which you get also at the time, had a very, 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 very small number of women in our industry. Uh, this inevitably, in, in every conversation I have with with both men and women on my podcast, but particularly women, uh, I think it's vitally important uh, to, again, let women present uh, to the largest audience in the construction industry, which are white males. God love them, all of them. Um, but uh, have them focus on something other than uh, you know how to wield a hammer, you know how to do a drawing, you know how to do this or that, which is technical in nature. You know how to even ask questions that end up resulting in some design feature built into a patient room or things of that nature. But 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 you've never you've never really you've never really done anything in construction. Uh, how can you manage this project? Yeah, I mean, you know, look, I'm a teacher at heart. I started out as a special education teacher. I think by that type of education, the skill sets are tremendously transferable. And I always kind of joke around and say, I had them as kids, now I have them as adults. Mm -hmm. So that's the first. The second is, is that I had a mentor who believed in me, right? And and that's a wonderful thing. And, and what he said to me from the get-go was like, look, you are an excellent manager. I can see that. Um, he said, I have a building in New York City on 57th and 6th. He said, it's a, um, you know, it's an apartment building with some commercial uh, retail clients. I want you to come down and manage the construction on the uh, apartment renovations. And I kind of laughed and said, I don't really know anything about construction. And he said, I'm not worried about that. I can teach you everything you need to know. And I have to say that he was amazing. He was the kind of guy who taught me how to split a nickel, how to negotiate. He taught me what was important in you know managing and and facilitating teams to get things accomplished. Um, and he and based on all of the experience of what we went through in that building, I learned a lot about construction. And he was just a phone call away. I could always ask him questions, and that's. How I mean, you want to talk about boots on the ground as far as grassroots. That's where I really learned a lot about construction. And even today, I may not know everything, but I the one thing I do know is that I have a team. And I think a lot of people really respect and appreciate the fact that I ask them the questions. I think I know how to ask very good questions, but I ask them the questions and I look at them as my specialist on the team. I don't try to overshoot them and, you know, tell them like if let's, I mean, I hate to say this, but 
When I worked as a project manager for a consulting firm, we had a lot of project managers who were architects in the past, who were engineers in the past. And a lot of times that stuff got them in trouble because they tried to design the project and not let the architect who was the architect of record actually do their work. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot of conflicts that went on because of that. And as you said, I was, you know, probably uh, the shortest line uh, whenever we went anywhere was the woman's room. Mm -hmm. Um, I had mainly men around the table um, who were, you know, jockeying, arguing, whatever it may be, um, to get their points across. So I was able to kind of bring more of a calm to it and at the same time to, you know, have people feel that they have some sort of importance and specialty because I relied on their information. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not on that. I'm not that naive. I mean, I always did my homework in the background, but at the same point too, I always made them feel special by letting them speak about their specialty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, that, just the way you described that you, um, you highlighted several what I call soft skills or qualities that you possess that made it possible for you to uh, connect with uh, and then develop uh, relationships with the individuals that you relied on to uh, to complete the work in each and every apartment or each and every space uh, to deal with gathering the facts to justify a change order uh, to deal with a problem to be solved um, and, and that's that's one of the highlight areas that we, that in many of the conversations I've had, uh, we reach a conclusion that, you know, that, that, that women are just much better at this, 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 and this. Uh, and everything you described are things that are, uh, that again, uh, and it, it is a gender, it's, it's a gender issue. And I can't, there's no sense of talking about it any other way. Um, it, it's just the expectation that the, the traditional view has, my generation in particular, and even the one that's right behind me, uh, the view they have is if, if you didn't, if you didn't learn it in the tools or in the trade, you know, boots on the ground, through an apprenticeship, through some other direct means of, of learning the skill or trade, uh, that you can't stand in the sa- same space with me and talk about this issue or that issue. Um, uh, so that was something that you had to overcome uh, and say again what your thought process uh, has been as you've matured over these, these good number of years in terms of how you approach uh, meeting and beginning to work with a new team. Uh, talk a bit about how how that what that is like for you and how you go about getting them all set in, in understanding their roles, understanding what your expectations are, uh, and developing, uh, if you will, you know, the first connection among the ingredients that are going to produce the project for the customer. You know, the first thing I always do, and you know, recently we've had a few um, changes in our project team. Just recently, and the first thing I do is I sit down with that person and I really ask them questions about who they are, you know, what's their family life lo- like, etc. I really connect with them. I find a topic that we can talk about, whether it's cooking or skiing or whatever it may be, um, and I, I. You know, I have to say that I'm genuinely interested in them because one of the key things for me is always trying to understand how am I going to inspire and motivate people to actually do their job. Now, I can't 
you know, strong on them. I think um, I, I kind of laughed for so many years because um, I feel like people were project management abused, as I would call it. Because <laughs> as a project manager, you come in and they're just like, I mean, literally, I've heard statements like, oh, I know what you kind of people are like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I hear that, I, I kind of laugh to myself and I look at them and I go, oh, so you've been project management abused, huh? Mm-hmm. And they look at me and they laugh and I go, okay, I understand, you know, where, where you're coming from on there. But I think the key thing for me, and it takes time. So there's two kinds of people, right? There's the people that are really receptive to that connection and will easily speak to me. And then there are the people who are standoffish and are not necessarily um, have a belief that I'm good enough to be in their realm, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I understand that from the very beginning. And it doesn't bother me because I always look at them and silently say, it's okay. You just have to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think those are the ways that you know I, I approach when I first start um, a project meeting. The other thing I always do is for me, honesty is key. And I think one of the things that you brought up was a lot of um, the contractors, let's say, for example, believe you don't you don't belong in their sphere because you haven't been a carpenter, an architect, an engineer, whatever it may be. But by the simplicity, as well as the detail of the questions I ask. So you'd be amazed how interesting it is that things are not really brought to the surface because there's a lot of gibberish talk about technical technical you know things that are going on mm-hmm. um so for example you might and this is a very simple one you know we got to have the plans by you know 11:25 they have to be we need them we need them we need them okay fine 11:25 comes and it's like okay well how do we want the plans? You know, who gets the plans? Mm-hmm. How does it get this? You know, no one ever asks those questions. It's just they talk a lot about a lot of other things that they don't dig in. So, for example, another thing I might um, discuss is like, so for we, we are working right now on a timber job where we're installing CLT. So it's half um, steel and half CLT. Um, and so then the question is, what are the logistics? Who has to do what? You know, because I think that's the other thing. Who's responsible for lifting the CLT pads, uh, you know, or the, the panels and installing them? Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to be handling, um, making sure that they're waterproofed on the edges? Who's going to be making sure that things are, you know, totally covered when they leave the site? I mean, these are the types of questions that are very simple. And if you don't ask the questions, no one really understands what they're doing. And I think, you know, we have this ability to see beyond the technical of a particular job. Yeah. Uh, I, I love the your methodology uh, that uh, when you're talking about putting the patient first. That's fairly fundamental. But uh, how how... How has that contributed to your success in in managing projects and programs with the healthcare clients? So, so let's talk a little bit about the history of what went on, right? So, 
I think back in 2003, I started working at Stanford Hospital and we had, we bought into this philosophy called the plain tree uh, uh, philosophy of how to treat a patient. And the interesting thing about that was they felt that the best way to treat the patient, you know, as best you possibly could and put the patient first was to take care of the caregivers. Okay. And so what that meant is that if you take care of your caregivers and your employees, they will then and take in turn, take good care of the patient. Um, and that was the philosophy all the way through it. You basically built the culture um, and and the built environment around all of that. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2003. So then let's take a look at 2010. 2010, you had the um, the AC, the uh, the Hospital Care Act that came into play. And I'm sure I didn't say that correctly, but what happened was then it was required that the patient was going to now be able to, you know, like in some respects, give feedback or write a score on how well the hospital took care of you. And if, for example, you were discharged from the hospital within 30 days and you came back with the same diagnosis within 30 days, then the hospital was basically almost on the hook to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So that changed everything. Now, all of a sudden, you started to see, Um, The way that hospitals did business was very different, as well as to the fact that they started to push all of the patient services out into the communities. Okay, so your question is, what does that mean to me as far as patient first? So I talked to you a little about the story of the Plain Tree franchise and the philosophy. And then in 2010, the ACA Act came and got put in place and people started to change. But we at Stanford Hospital were way, way ahead of the curve because we were actually doing that back in 2003, right? So then what happened was when I became a patient in the actual environments that I was, I was actually facilitating teams to design and build, I had a a whole nother level of understanding of like, what does it really mean to be a patient? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I actually was shocked um, at the amount of decisions that I made myself that really impacted the patient as well as, you know, the the staff. Mm -hmm. And one story is the the reclining chair. So, you know, my surgery, they had cut my core uh, from top to bottom, it wasn't like a cesarean across. It was from top to bottom, and they they actually got me up and put me in the reclining chair. And the nurse looked at me and said, "I want you to hold on to my elbow because when I flip the the uh, the lever here, you're going to go back very fast." And I said, "Okay." Um, and so she flipped the lever. I almost had a heart attack because it was like a jerking, mm-hmm. you know, and it really like whoa. Um, and as I lay there, I thought I was the one who said yes, buy these reclining chairs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I said, you know, like, so after that experience, and there were several other examples, I said to myself, you know what, I have to come out and think about approaching projects from a different perspective. 
And, and so that's when I wrote my book and, you know, came up with the three principles of when you approach a project, you really have to think about the people. You also have to think about the people on your team. You have to talk about, you know, the next principle was healthy team. And that is how do you share wisdom and experience with your team? And then the last um, principle was healthy project. And then how, how do you take that project from start to finish with the idea of keeping everyone healthy? That -hmm. means healthy on you, the people that are on your team healthy, as well as the end result or the end user who's going to be using this particular space. Mm -hmm. So patient first, it doesn't necessarily mean patient first. What it means is everyone needs to have the same attention and care because we're all connected and we're all working together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it, uh, you know the let's call it the uh, uh, the the, gen- the general version of that is uh, uh, is you know patients are customers, patients are clients. Uh, your 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 project, your superintendents, your foreman, uh, your architect, your engineer, those are all the team that builds a project. Uh, and and I think there's a lot, a pretty a pretty significant amount of conversation around the idea if you. If you want to make sure that your customers are well taken care of, that they're satisfied with with whatever service or product you're delivering, um, you have to take care of the people that provide those services or deliver those products, and they're the ones that work for you on your team. Is that is that sum it up pretty well in a it's called a non healthcare version? Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. And you know, one of the things is I always say that my roots are in healthcare. But I have now, after the pandemic, moved into, you know, more of a general construction uh, population. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because these principles really do apply to what is happening right now. I always see myself now as the bridge and the bridge from the young professional, I would say to, I don't want to say the dinosaurs, from but to the people who have been in this industry for a long time. And you can see the growing pains, right? That's going on right now. They're, the younger generation, there's a generational shift on the way mm-hmm. that they want to do business. And mm-hmm. th- that's our future. And mm-hmm. that is, you know, we have to get them into the pipeline in order for them to actually, you know, work through and be able to service our customers. Right. And then, you know, the the people that have been in this industry for so long have so much knowledge and what have you, but they also have to realize that they have to learn from the younger generation as well as the younger generation has to learn from the older generation or the people that have been there and who are very, very experienced. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So um, from from the perspective that you bring based on your body of work, how would you describe uh, the more significant challenges and opportunities that the construction industry is facing now? How would you describe them? Well, you know, look, I think the construction industry is is slow to change. It always has been. Okay. I think I have definitely seen um, some good shifts. Uh, and, you know, if I look at my team right now, you know, I have um, a span of all different ages. Um but as I see the younger generation coming in, I do believe that they are much more open to feedback. 
I think they are much more open to um, to talking things through and having mm. conversation and understanding things from a couple of different directions. Mm-hmm. And I like to see that. That's a very good thing as opposed to some of the... Um, some, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be uh, as experienced, but there are people in the industry who I do things exactly the way I do them, and I don't want to hear it, and I'm not going to bend. I think I do talk a lot about emotions that are going on, and I'll give you an example where I had a situation where um, a designer um, made a mistake, um, and it meant that the contractor had to do um some additional work, which they had never done with this type of material. And Mm. they were angry. Mm -hmm. They were angry that the designer made the mistake and that the responsibility was going to be left upon them and they could possibly screw it up. Um, And so, you know, literally had to throw that on the table and say, look, you're pissed off and you're angry at this situation. Is that true? Yes. Okay. So if that is true, what are we going to do to get past it? So I think those kinds of conversations um, are going on more in our industry, and that's a very good thing. Now, what do I think the challenges are? I still think that we have another five to eight years of um, adjusting to uh, this new way of working with Mm -hmm. where soft skills are absolutely necessary and people are starting to realize it. I mean, look, the other day I was on the job site and I had one of the steel workers, we were walking around him because we were watching them install the CLT panels. And he said to me, hey, we're much nicer now. 10 years ago, we would have never let you do this. And I (laughs) laughed to myself because I said, yeah, you're right. But, you know, I think it's becoming... um, you can see it filtering into the industry. The other thing I think that I love and I am seeing is, first of all, I've you know I gave a presentation um, to an engineering firm, and the amount of smart, beautiful uh, engineers, women engineers, were I, I was shocked. I never realized there were so many of them. So mm-hmm. I think what's happening is you're starting to see more and more women coming into engineering as well as architecture. The other thing I thought that I've seen is more women want to be superintendents mm-hmm. and they love it, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. And, and again, um, I have to say, even as long as I've been in this business, I have found that a lot of the workers and the men on the job sites, as well as um, in you know in uh, in the offices, for example, they are very respectful. I, I I've never really ran into a bad situation, except for with the concrete workers, and that was it. <laughs> except for the concrete workers, huh? yeah. yeah. But um, so I I think look. The, Honestly, I have, I have a big in, an enthusiastic view of where we're headed. Um, I think the having a diver- our, our our team right now that we have is very diverse. We have all different cultures as well as uh, men and women, and it works. 
it really does work. And I think people have the respect to listen to each other. Um, but, you know, honestly, when we started this, the owners set the pace for having an open, honest um, relationship and with the intention that we were building a school for the future leaders of our world. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, everyone really f- fell um, in line with that. And that gave me a wonderful opportunity to be able to, you know, facilitate the team. And that, for example, is something that um, is very special. Mm -hmm. Have you had any chance to to be involved with any of the outreach programs that uh, try to tell the story of construction to high school students or uh, any kind of uh, any other kinds of programs that are out in the community? You've been able to get involved in any of those? Yes. So um, at Professional Women in Construction, we actually created a video um, where we interviewed um, an architect, an engineer, and a construction uh, manager, all women, um, who, and and the whole uh, video, and we distributed to high schools all around, you know, the New York and uh, New Jersey area. And it was just why we got into the industry and our love of it. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, something I've done. Um, I do mentor. I have um, three students that I mentor. Uh, one is, uh, you know, two are seniors. One's already in college. Um, Good. You know, I'm constantly trying to talk up the construction industry if they seem to have an interest in that. Good. Well, there's another place you can do that. So, you know, feel free to, to do that as we continue our conversation. Um so let's let's uh, as as we come to the kind of towards the end of this conversation, I want to go. I want to go back for a minute and talk about uh, you. You paint probably one of the more uh, positive uh, and optimistic outlooks on on the on the future of where the industry is now, where it's going, particularly as it relates to diversity uh, based on a variety of things, gender, uh, race, etc. Are, are you as are you as enthusiastic as as I'm as I'm gathering about how we're doing? Just just finding a way to get along as people uh, in our industry without uh, all the other uh, other biases and judgments and labeling and all that kind of stuff. Uh, are you are you, are you feeling positive? And if so, why? Yeah. So you know what? Look, it's very funny, right? I mean, I have a very good sense of humor, um, and I think um, I have a bit of Teflon. And I think that's important, right? In this industry, you have to have a good sense of humor and you have to have Teflon because you do have a cast of characters. As a matter of fact, one of the things I always say when I introduce myself and I'm on the call, a call with subcontractors, let's say, I always introduce myself as the ringleader of the circus of many acts, Mm -hmm. right? And then they kind of laugh at that. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, First of all, the people that work in this industry, I think a lot of people love what they do. I think they love the fact that they go to work every day and they use their hands or they solve problems or they have to use creative thinking or whatever it may be. They, I find people who are in this industry pretty much love what they do. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think we have work to do. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about it. Um, I think you have to have the right individuals in there that are the peacemakers that can that can actually be very grounded in the way that they 
help people to sort through conflict because there is a lot of conflict in our business all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. It's it's a constant, you know, I spend half of I feel like you need to be a social worker or a psychiatrist to actually work in the industry in a lot of times in in my position. Mm -hmm. Because my my position is more of I'm looking to keep people aligned and motivated and everyone has to basically agree that this is the way we're going to go. And if they don't agree with it, at least they have to have some sort of inkling that they agree to disagree and we're moving forward. Because half the time, if I don't have that, I, I you know, it just gets short circuited. Yeah. But I am yeah. enthusiastic. I do believe that there are a lot of people that are still coming into this industry that love what they do. I have a friend of mine who runs a um, course for the union. It's a carpentry course. Mm -hmm. He said that 25% that are registered in that course are women. Oh. And the reason why he said is when you think about it and I and it and it becomes a, a very interesting thing as to when you're looking f to hire people to be carpenters, electricians, or, you know, um, mechanical techs, et cetera, mm -hmm. is women who are single moms who are, who, who basically have to raise a family on their own. They love construction because of the fact that they work seven to three. Mm -hmm. So they have time to drop the kids off at school. They get to pick them up after school, mm -hmm. as well as to the fact that they can support themselves. They can make a very good living. Yeah. Well said. Uh, good wrap up. Um, it's good to hear the words out of your mouth. I've heard those phrases and thoughts in other conversations. Uh, so I'm glad there's uh, people who are thoughtful leaders in our industry are uh, on the same page, or, or at least certainly in the same volume of this continuing story of the construction industry. Kathy, it's been a delight to have you. I wish we had more time to talk, but uh, I'm told to stop talking at, uh, at about 30 minutes. But uh, but it's been, a, it's been a great conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I have. As, as I am, I'm so grateful I've met you, Dennis. I, I have listened to all your podcasts now. I love, you know, your hearing your guests as well as to the fact that all your ideas that you're putting across. I, I, um, I, I, I can't say enough that this is what we need. This is what's going to make this industry better. And this is how we're going to get more people into this industry by make, making sure that we train people on, on the soft skills and how mm -hmm. to get along and how to be. Right. And, and we also give them the opportunity to hear from people like you that have had long, successful careers in the construction industry and, and started out with the thought about uh, loving what you do, uh, which is a phrase that I say all the time. And, and more recently, I heard uh, a quote from Steve Jobs and Warren Buffett, who both said that there are four words which are essential for people to enjoy success. Uh, and the four words are do what you love. So exactly. I'll leave I'll leave us with that thought and again my gratitude. Thank you for being on the Soft to Steel podcast. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Soft to Steel podcast with your host Dennis Duran. Dennis is the author of Soft as Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. 
You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.